You ever have a hard time following instructions? Mm. Like, I'm not like an instructions guy, okay? I'm like a winged guy. Like, I'm a guy that, like, I just want to open up the box and I want to start putting it together because I'm more interested, usually, in how quickly I can get the thing done rather than uh, whether I did all the steps exactly the way that I thought the steps were supposed to go. Uh, I, I think it's just kind of a waste of time. I kind of figure like it's going to come naturally, right? And that's sometimes true, uh, unless you're trying to put together like a single IKEA shelf, <laughs> like like never gonna. Yeah. Same thing is true uh, when you're trying to put together a treehouse. So this past week, um, my dad and I started building a treehouse for my kids. Now, uh, about a month ago, I called him up. My dad's been retired for about a year, and I said, Dad, I've uh, been talking about building a treehouse for the kids for a long time. Uh, would you help me? And he said, yes, I can come over and, and help. And uh, he used to be, uh, used to teach architecture, okay? So he's got like these, you know, drafting tools and, 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 and things like this, but he's like old school, okay? So for me, I'm just kind of like a winged kind of a guy. So I, uh, I basically drew a map. I'm like, all right, here's the trees, like just the hand drew it. And I said, uh, and these are uh, approximately the distances between the trees. I had measured, but not like super specifically, okay? So my dad, he starts sending me these plans. And these are like hand-drawn, old school, like I think there's a picture uh, of the plant. Like look at this stuff. Literally this is the bat my dad brought. It's got like this crazy like triangle ruler and actual like brush that you can brush away your pets. Like that's what he started sending me so that we could figure out what this thing was going to look like. I kept sending him back and be like, hey, uh, that's fine, but like we need to do this different or that. He kept drawing things and he kept asking for like more specific uh, 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 measurements. He's like, what's the outside diameter of the tree? I'm like, that doesn't, like, it doesn't matter. Like, like, it's close enough, you know? Like, I don't even really know what circumference and diameter even is. So, like, don't ask that question. We'll get here. We'll slap it together. We'll wing it. It's going to work. Well, uh, here, here's the issue, though, all right? Since uh, figuring it out when you get here sounds great until you're actually got to nail things to trees, all right? Uh, uh, my dad and I are both, um, how shall I say this? Uh, I'm going to use the positive term leaders, not the, not the negative term stubborn, uh, which means that sometimes when you're uh, winging it, as I expected to do, all right, especially with somebody who's a little bit more precise than I am, it can lead to some spirited debates. All right, well, which both myself and my dad are very good at, all right? Sometimes my wife looks at us like, do you guys like each other? You know, like, she's like, yeah, it's fine. We're like, we get over it. But that's what can happen when you're not good at following, uh, which is my issue way too often than I'd like to admit. Uh, my dad knows more than I do when it comes to building. In fact, uh, he actually had done a lot of research on like tree houses and how you want to build them so that as the trees grow they don't like crush the actual building that you're going to create and so he had all these great ideas that uh, I realized I probably needed to learn from him but but see here's the issue uh, my dad's probably 25% more precise than I am 
but I think I'm like 50% faster than he is, okay? So that's not a good combination when you start putting those things together. However, uh, my dad's not slow, he just pays attention to the details better than I do. And because of that, we wound up making a lot of, uh, we wound up not making a lot of mistakes that I would have made. And I began to realize that the more that I listened to my dad's advice, the more that I paid attention to the knowledge and the wisdom that he had, the better our treehouse actually became. I think this is exactly what Jesus wants of us as well. To become his disciple, his imitator, to become like him requires that we slow down enough to hear his voice and follow what he says. If you have your Bibles, I'd love you to open up to Matthew chapter 4 this morning. If you need a Bible, uh, ushers are coming down. Just raise your hand up. They'll make sure to hand one to you. Uh, you can open up to Matthew. Uh, Matthew's the first book in the New Testament. It's about this far back if you're looking. You can also look it up in the table of contents. We'll give you the number. Matthew chapter 4. We're going to be starting in verse 18. Jesus is calling his first disciples. Verse 18, it says, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. So this is the kind of net that you've probably seen on like National Geographic. Uh, people still use them to this day. It's probably like a circular net, and it's got weights kind of on the end. And they would have it bunched together, and they throw it, kind of spins, stretches out, hits the water, and then the weights on the end kind of sink it down, and then you got to go and gather it up, and whatever was underneath where the net dropped would often be caught inside of it. So that's what they're doing. They're fishing, they're fishing, but that's what they do. Verse 19. Jesus says, come follow me. And I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Man, these guys were called the sons of thunder. Like that guy, like that just guy has to give you a bit of a picture of what they're like, alright? These are like burly, tough fishermen dudes, alright? Probably like hardened muscle from just days, months, years working on the boat with their dad pulling in heavy nets. Now we know something about these guys. They actually seem to be a part of a larger fishing operation where there was actually boats that they would go out on, fish in some of the, uh, some kind of similar ways that we even see fishermen still to this day fishing. And uh, to the sons of thunder, all right, says they were in their boat with their father Zebedee preparing their nets Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Uh, I was always surprised to learn that in the first instance, Peter and Andrew uh, left their nets. I mean, that's an interesting thing to say, right? Like, they got nets, and they literally, they, they left their nets. <laughs> like, I don't know if, like, they had just cast them out, and they were down in the water, and some fish were like, yo, right, help me out, we're stuck in a net. It was like up on the shore. But when he says that they left their nets, he's implying that they left 
their livelihoods. Uh, not only that, but he goes on to say, both for Peter and Andrew and James and John, says they left at once or they left immediately, which implies that they left immediately. <laughs> and then, to further it, not only did they leave their livelihood, not only did they do it not when it was convenient for them, actually goes on to say about James and John that not only do they leave their boats and do it immediately, but they also leave their father, implying that they left behind their families. I mean, they were probably supposed to inherit the family business. And to have boats meant that it was a pretty big business. This would have been uh, a decent-sized operation. You see, the men that are called leave their livelihood, leave their families, and they do it not when it's convenient for them, but when Jesus calls them. Uh, I always assumed that Jesus like just showed up one day. Because this always kind of tripped me out a little bit. Like, if I'm being honest, okay? Like, Jesus shows up. They've never seen Jesus. Maybe they've kind of heard about him a little bit. But, like, he shows up to, like, come follow me. And dudes are just like, boom, I'm out. Okay? Like, what is that? Like, did you hate your job that much that, like, anything in the world you're willing to leave it for? Okay? No, that, that's actually not it at all. When I was actually studying for this, I, I learned some things. Dr. Michael Wilkins uh, says this. He says, in all likelihood... At least Andrew, Peter, and John, and perhaps James, were the ones who accompanied Jesus to the wedding at Cana, where they observed his first miracle. Say, that's when Jesus turned water into wine. Got a good friend to have, just saying. They believed in Jesus at that time. Uh, they're also, most likely, uh, the disciples of Jesus who ministered with him in Judea during the first year of his ministry. Therefore, Wilkins tells us, by the time of the incidents here in Galilee, about a year later, they'd had plenty of time to consider Jesus' mission. See, here's the thing. They'd actually been with Jesus for about a year when Jesus actually called them. Now, it's true, some people like, for the first time, maybe that's you here today. Maybe like a friend invited you and you showed up. And like you've never been to church before in your life. Like this is like a totally new concept. You're probably like, man, folks are singing. This is kind of weird. It's kind of like a concert, but also feels a little different. Like, I don't, like maybe you're just a little like, I don't know what's going on. First of all, I just say, well, we, we always expect that we have people who are checking out Jesus. Checking out this church. I often think, though, that like the first time that you meet Jesus... It's probably not when you instantly say, oh, I want to follow him, right? Because you don't know him. Now, now, God does miraculous things. And maybe today it's your first time here. Maybe today is the day you're going to say, you know what? That's what I've been hunting for my whole life. But for most folks, they, they got to hang out with Jesus a little bit. They got to come and be a part of Jesus' family, and, and, and check it out and see what they're about, what they're like, if they're legit. And that's exactly what happened with the four disciples. Like, they've been with Jesus for a year. And so when Jesus comes and calls them, it's not like they're like, who is this weirdo? Who cares? Let's go. Okay? They're like, we know him. We know what he's about. 
They were so excited to be able to leave it all behind and follow him. They were like hoping Jesus would call them. That's why they were willing to leave behind livelihood and family and come at a time when it wasn't necessarily convenient for them, but the time that Jesus called them. Why? Well, because they had seen that he was worth it. They were thrilled to get the call. Kind of like I was. Two days after Brenda dumped me when we were in college. Now, now this is a sad story, to be honest. It's got a happy ending, but it's a sad story to be. See, uh, Brenda and I had gone out my junior year, her freshman year, uh, a couple of times. And then that whole summer, between her freshman year and her sophomore year, my junior year and senior year, I was two years ahead of her. We had written letters. You're like, who writes letters? Well, email didn't exist, okay? It wasn't on Facebook. Like, the internet was, like, barely this thing, okay? So, we wrote letters. It was a great quote. More than kisses, letters mingle hearts. Oh, that's good. You can write that down. Type it up to your girl, okay? <laughs> so that whole summer, uh, Brenda and I had been writing, and I was done for. Like, I knew, like, she is the one, all right? So when we get back to school, I got to lock this down. Like, I got to, like, I'm like, I'm like, we're going to hang, we're going to be together, we're going to hang out. And so I, I was probably a little smothering, I'll admit it, okay? But Brenda, <laughs> part of it was I didn't have nearly as many options as Brenda. <laughs> like, she had lots of options, okay? We, we get back to school, it's about three days in. And Brenda is like, hey, can we talk? I'm like, yeah, oh yeah. Like, I'll drop anything, right? That morning, Brenda had read on the back of a Fruit Loops box in the cafeteria that variety is the spice of life. No joke. <laughs> and she took the line from the back of a Fruit Loops box, and that's what she used to dump me. No joke. She's like, hey, Torin, like, it's been good. No varieties and spice of life. I think maybe we should see other people. I was devastated. Like, bro, like, I literally, I could not eat for the next day and a half, okay? She's here. She'll, she'll admit it. She did this. <laughs> so, a day and a half goes by. Like, I'll be, I'll, I'll, I'm like doing okay, and then all of a sudden I'll see her, and then like, I'm just like, I gotta go. I, like, I can't even, like, I'm just rocked to my core. Yeah, she calls me uh, about two days later. She's like, hey, can we talk? I feel like, I feel like I made a mistake. We're, we're, we're supposed to be, like, I was willing to drop anything, anyone. Didn't matter what was going on. I would drop it right at that second, and I was like, yes, let's talk now. Okay, and so we get together, and I'm like, I'm done, like, I'm like, marry me! Like, that, oh, I'm gonna lock it down. Like, I didn't say that, because I got, I was about to scare off again. But, <laughs> that's how I was feeling, right? Because I had spent enough time with her to know, like, she's worth it. Like, she's worth, like, leaving every other woman behind. Like, that's what I want. And so when she called, I answered. And then that's exactly what's going on with the disciples here. That they spent time with Jesus. They saw that he was who he said he was, that he was legit, he was worth following, he was worth everything. And so when Jesus comes and calls, they drop it and go. And it's not like a, oh, this is so scary, which I'm sure that it was. It's more like a, oh my goodness, 
Peter, Andrew, James, and John are completely in. Jesus over job, Jesus over career, Jesus over family, Jesus over convenience, Jesus over culture, Jesus over reputation, Jesus over all. Friends, that's what discipleship is. Jesus over all. Now, what I'd like to do for the remainder of our time this morning is look at one verse, verse 19, and only the first three words of that verse. You see, when Jesus calls them, he says three things. Come, follow me. When Jesus says come, this assumes that there is somewhere to go and somewhere to leave. When Jesus says come, this assumes that there is somewhere to go and somewhere to leave. I am a classic overpacker. <laughs> okay? I used to lead uh, short-term missions trips for high school students to Poland. And uh, when you travel overseas, uh, at least try to get the tickets that we did, uh, Matt actually came with me on one of those trips, uh, you can bring one bag, okay? Uh, so I, I brought the biggest, like, I don't even know how I found a piece of luggage this large, okay? But it is, like, massive. Like, it's, like, here to, like, here, all right? Things got the extender pole. Like, you can carry, like, a family of five on the back of this thing. Like, it's huge, okay? But there's a weight limit, all right? And, and, and I always want to be prepared for everything. Okay, that's what I say. It's what it really means is I want to be comfortable all the time. All right? So I'm packing stuff in there. I'm checking it. You got a 50-pound weight limit. Every single year I show up, and I'm at like 53 to 55 pounds, okay? Every time. Now, every once in a while, I get lucky. They would just kind of like let it go. But most of the time, they're like, sir, you're going to have to take out five pounds because you're over the limit, or it's going to be an extra $100. And I'm like, oh, man. So I'm like going around to kids, and I'm asking them, like, how much weight you got in your bag? <laughs> Can you? You know, can you be my pack mule, you know, and here's a pair of shoes, you know, taking stuff out, putting it in my carry-on. You're like, why does this guy have, like, one boot here? And then, you know, I'm a classic overpacker. Uh, I think that I like the idea of going somewhere. I just want to go on my own terms. I mean, maybe that's what you're like. Like, when Jesus calls, you're like, hey, I, 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 like, I like the idea of going somewhere. But uh, it, it's, it's got to be on my terms. It's got to be comfortable, Jesus. Maybe you're not like me, though, okay? Uh, maybe you don't mind leaving things behind. You're just not excited about going someplace to begin with. <laughs> like, like, maybe for you, it's like, I'll follow you, Jesus, as long as you don't take me someplace I don't want to go I'll follow you, Jesus, as long as I don't have to leave West Michigan. See, uh, for both of us, the issue is control. Who gets to control? Me or Jesus? Uh, Matthew chapter 8, also verses 18 to 22. We read these words, that there's a cost to following Jesus. 8.18 says, when Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the law came to him. Like, this would be a good candidate to be a disciple. 
Okay? He's already a teacher of the law. He comes to Jesus and says, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. In other words, you want to follow me? Fine, but you've got to give up your house. You've got to give up your comfort. Another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. That seems legit. In fact, quite honestly, that was expected. Within the culture, it was after the law. But Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Which sounds harsh at all. Get up. See, what Jesus is saying is like, look, me over all. That's what discipleship is. Jesus over all. Jesus first says, come. Then the next thing Jesus says is follow. When Jesus says follow, this assumes that you and I are not calling the shots. Look, there's a lot of things that I would do differently if I was God. Alright? Bad things would only happen to bad people. Chocolate would make you skinny. And Chick-fil-A would be open on Sundays. Can I get an amen? <laughs> not until noon. They can still make the 9 a.m. service, okay? But noon, they're open. Here's the deal, though. That's not how following works, is it? I mean, when someone says follow, it means that they're the ones calling the shots, not me. Uh, you see, I think our life, I'm about to go on a little bit of a food kick for the next couple minutes. Life is like this delicious dish that Jesus is cooking up, but you don't get to see the recipe, at least not all of it. He's like telling you what to add, right? And if Jesus says, I want you to add a teaspoon of salt, you're like, yeah, but I'd rather add a cup of sugar. Like the dish that he's creating is not going to turn out. It's not going to be what you think it's going to be. It's not going to be as good. When he says follow, can you trust that when he calls, it's going to be better, right? If you can't trust Jesus in some areas of your life, can you trust him in any? I, I think the reverse is also true, right? If you can trust Jesus in some areas, shouldn't you trust him in all? It's really an issue of whether he's good. Whether he actually knows what he's doing. Whether or not he actually knows what's best. Best for you. Best for everybody else. Best for the world. I, uh, I had an opportunity uh, about four and a half years ago now. Interviewed at a church um, in Chicago. I think I've mentioned this before. Uh, the position was, was, would have been really prestigious. One of the largest churches in the nation. Probably uh, one of the most, probably the most influential church in the nation. And it was an opportunity to, to be a, a discipleship pastor there, overseeing all the discipleship and teaching. And I wanted I, I had I had never interviewed for a position that I hadn't gotten. I granted some of those are like McDonald's and Burger King, but I'm saying, okay. And I was told by the headhunter that had told me I should apply for it that instead of presenting five candidates like she normally does, she's only going to be presenting two. And she told me that I was far and away the stronger candidate of the two she was presenting. I'm like, I'm in. That is going to be awesome. 
Fred and I went, we even looked at homes in the area while we were there. And then I didn't get it. And that was one of those times when Jesus said, I want you to add a teaspoon of salt. And I said, but I want a cup of sugar. That, Jesus, that's what I want. See, the problem is that I don't know the recipe that he's cooking up. Now, four and a half years later, I can look back. There's a couple things that I've learned. Uh, number one, Jesus needed to teach me some things about humility. And I was right in the middle of that lesson. And I wasn't enjoying the lesson very well. And I wasn't learning it super well either. So Jesus said, oh, look, i got to keep teaching you. It's a lesson I have to still learn, unfortunately. Probably the rest of my life. But there's another lesson, too. That Jesus can see in the future and he was protecting That church has been rocked with scandal in the last month and a half. It's been in the papers. The New York Times has written about it. And I would have been one of the folks right underneath it all. See, sometimes you think you know what's best for you. And God says, if you'll follow me, if you'll trust me, I'll actually give you what you need when you need it. Jesus says, come and follow and the last thing he says is me. Now, when he says me, this assumes that allegiance to his person is the deciding act. Jesus asks us to follow him. Not a cause that you like, that you think Jesus will be down with. Like, oh, I know Jesus is down with this cause. That's what I'm in for. Like, Jesus is like, no, no, you got to be in for me. It's not a philosophy that you dig. Not a particular teaching that you think is the key to making everything better, right? Jesus asks us to follow him. A real, genuine person, right? Who's still alive today. Who has given us the gift of his word to reveal himself. The gift of the spirit God Almighty who lives in us. The gift of relationship through his death and resurrection. And the gift of his family, the church real person. That's the deciding factor. Not whether you like everything or whether there's a particular piece that you really dig or feel like you're latching on to Jesus. We follow me. Uh, I like to get a little bit of relationship with Jesus sometimes. Like Jesus, like let's, let's get together. Fill me out what's happening, you know. And then when I get a little bit of Jesus, I'm like, alright, that's enough. Now let me just go do it, right? Like, I got enough. But Jesus doesn't want disciples that just have enough Jesus, right? As if Jesus is somehow like the oyster stuffing at your Thanksgiving dinner. You know what I'm saying? Because like when the oyster stuffing gets passed around the grandma made, you might take the obligatory spoonful, but when she's coming back, you're like, oh, I got enough, grandma, thank you. I don't need seconds on that. Like, I'm good, right? But that's sometimes how we treat Jesus. Like, hey, I got enough. Like, I'm good, Jesus. Like, thank you. A couple of those things. I really like them. I'm using them. But that other stuff, like, hey, like, I, that's, I got enough. I'm good. Jesus is like, no, 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 no. Not how it works. Not how it works. I need all of you, and you need all of me. Uh, 
making lumpia and making cookies. So you're like, what in the world are you talking about? Lumpia is a Filipino egg roll. My wife's Filipino. Come on. These things are delicious. I think we got a picture of lumpia. Can you show the picture, not the recipe? Show the picture. Oh my goodness. Let me tell you. When you're making lumpia, okay, at least the way that my wife makes it, is a, it's like an art. Okay? When you're making cookies, cookies are not an art. Cookies are a science. Alright? I don't know if Kim Alderton's here. She might tell me I'm full of it. But that, I've heard that explained. Like, uh, cooking is like an art and baking is like science. Right? Because you need to know exactly how much salt, exactly how much sugar, exactly how much flour, and exactly how hot it's supposed to be and exactly how long it's supposed to be in here. That's how you make a good cookie. It's not like, oh, a little bit of this, and we'll throw a little bit of that in there, like, then it'll turn out, right? But when my wife is making lupia, she has spent time with a recipe that her mom gave her. There's a picture of, of, of some of her. Look at that, it's got like all kinds of just spills on it. Like, that's old, okay? And she'll be making it up. Now she doesn't even really look at that. Why? Well, because she spent a lot of time making it with her mom. And she learned from her mom. Her mom would tell her about things. And she knew what that actually meant, what it looked like, how much to add. And so she could kind of like just make it happen now. Not only does she know how to make it, but she's teaching our kids how to make it. Okay? And they're learning. And at first, like, her rolls are like way better, more uniform in shape. Sometimes the kids, like, you get, like, fatties, you know, and ones that are, like, all stringy and falling apart. But that's okay. It still tastes good. But, like, that's just what happens, all right? But when Brenda's doing it, she's not looking at the recipe anymore. She doesn't need to. You guys are looking at it like you're trying to break the dough. You don't have it. I'll get it for you. Take that picture down. Thank you. The reason that she doesn't need to look at the recipe anymore is that she spent so much time with her mom learning. She's done it for so long. She, it, it's like the recipe's a part of her. You see, sometimes, though, when we start off in our walk with Jesus, we assume that it's kind of like a lumpia kind of discipleship, right? Like, I'll just wing it. Kind of like how I was trying to build a treehouse, okay? I know enough building to make you feel 50% safer than you probably should. <laughs> All right? The truth is, though, the same thing is true of my pastor. I know enough to make you feel 50% safer than you probably should. You see, the difference maker is whether or not I'm staying close to Jesus. You see, the reason that my wife knows how to make lumpia without looking at the recipe doesn't mean that there isn't a recipe. Doesn't mean that she never goes back and shows it to our daughter and our kids when she's teaching somebody else. It's that she's been with it so long that she knows. When we're first starting out with Jesus, we need the chocolate chip cookie recipe, okay? Where it's a science. And you're learning by spending time in the Word, actually, what is the recipe for life? And it's something that you actually have to, like, practice and, and learn. But the more you do it, the more you're with Jesus, the more He begins to speak and His Word actually becomes a part of us. It's not just this thing that sits out here. It's actually this thing that's actually in our hearts. We begin to memorize it. We know what Jesus' voice sounds like. And that's how we can actually get to follow The recipe becomes a part of us. That's what Jesus wants from the disciples. 
You see, to follow Jesus will require that we're going somewhere and leading somewhere. It will require that you don't call all the shots, and it will require trusting Jesus at every turn. Jesus isn't calling you to be a Christian. Jesus is calling you to be his disciples. Our church isn't trying to develop Christians. Our church is trying to develop disciples. We're not perfect at it. But that's what we want. That's what I want. Why? Because I know that's what's best. It's what's best for me. It's what's best for my kids. It's what's best for you. It's what's best for us. It's what's best for Grand Rapids. Discipleship is Jesus over all. I want to take just one minute. I'm just going to give you some space, some sacred space right now in the service before I close this in prayer. And I just want you to sit with Jesus. Maybe you need to ask yourself this question. Jesus, am I simply a Christian or am I your disciple? Maybe you need to ask one of the other ones. Uh, is there some place God's calling you to go? There's some level of control you need to give over. Let's just sit with Jesus and just see if there's something he wants to say to you right now. So Jesus, I'm here. If you need to say something, I'm listening. Give you about one minute of just sacred space, and then I'll close this morning. simply be words that we say. God, let these things actually flow into action. May they be real. God, we want to be disciples of Jesus. Giving control over everything. Allowing him to take us wherever we need to go. Trusting that he is good even when we can't see it. Guys, I uh, am so glad that you can come hang with us. Uh, we're seeing some uh, college students coming back to school. Welcome. If you're a college student, 
Uh, we love college students here, and we got a bunch of them, and that's exciting. We're, we're glad that you're part of the community. Uh, we hope that you uh, dive in, okay? Uh, I also want to say this. Um, there's no way for you to talk about following Jesus and what that means without extending an invitation. Like if, if you're new to the whole Christianity thing, uh, to, to the discipleship thing, to following Jesus, then like this is what I want to say to you. If you've never given your life to Christ, I would love to talk with you and share with you how you can do that. I don't want to talk about this and then just assume everybody here has said yes to that. Uh, there's guarantee there's some folks in here that, that haven't actually said yes to that. If you'd like to make that decision today, I'd love to chat. And I'm going to be right down uh, Guys, I'm excited to talk about uh, what discipleship does. I think in the program it says discipleship do. <laughs> I like that too. We're going to talk about what discipleship do. <laughs> so come on out. I can't wait to see you. We'll see you guys next week. Have a great rest of your afternoon.